Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, The Vow. Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. Whether you hope to get married someday or you've already tied the knot, discover what the vow can mean for the future. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. I'm going to invite my wife, Cynthia, to come up. I have a microphone for you. So we just rescued Cynthia from the toddler room uh, in Sunday school. Just got my cast off. I had an an ouchie and had to go to the preschool uh, nursery urgent care. But I I only had to keep my cast on for 10 minutes. That's good. That's good. It's a good day. You know, we're in the middle of this series called The Vow. It's a series about marriage. Now, if you're not married, I, I believe there's a lot in here that can apply to your relationship with God. Or if you hope to be married, I would encourage you to take notes. And if you are married, uh, look, we're not experts at all, uh, but we, we do uh, know God's word and we want to expound on it today. But, but Cynthia and I thought it would be important today just to, to start off a little bit sharing uh, with you about marriage. And last week we looked at the, the vow of priority because we're talking about that while you have some specific vows that you make at your wedding day, there are some underneath implied vows. And one of those is the vow of making your spouse uh, a priority. And, and another one is a, a vow of saying that you will pursue one another. And so Cynthia and I, I thought it would be important to talk a little bit about pursuing one spouse. So you were going to share a little bit to start off with. Yeah, uh, I'm Cynthia and I'm married to Clark. And uh, we have been, we met 42 years ago. He was the first person I met when my mom pulled up at UNC, at my dorm at UNC at Chapel Hill. And he was very enthusiastic, very, very enthusiastic. And my mom kind of looked at me and winked and said, that is the kind of boy we've been telling you about. But we, uh, we've been married for 37 and a half years with two kids. And um, you know what? Marriage is work. Marriage is work. And we talked about prioritizing each other last week. And this week we're talking about pursuing each other. So. Yes. Yes. Now, candidly, I, I did. I thought Cynthia was quite cute when I met her. But I also thought she was a little stuck up. We did not like each other. We did, we not, did like not, not hit it off at no. all. And she thought I was a jerk, you know, and, and I probably earned that. Um, and, uh, but our, you know, our paths kept crossing uh, initially just by ha- happenstance, but eventually, uh, at least from my standpoint, it was on purpose uh, um, because I, w- I was beginning to pursue her. But, you know, um, that was when we were young. That's when we were in our 20s. We've been alive more than, uh, we've been married longer than we were, than, I can't say this. We were, we were like 19 and 18 when we met each other. So um, we're like a lot older now. <laughs> so one of the things that we've had to recognize is that 
you know, when, when you're young and uh, when, you're, when you fall in love, there's this, uh, just this desire always to pursue each other and to, to be with one another. But as you, after you get married, all of a sudden life begins to happen. And, uh, you know, one of the questions we thought we would try to unpack is what have we learned about the importance of pursuing one another, pursuing one's spouse? Well, I think it's a real, uh, it's a connection point. You know, it's, yeah. it's important for me to pursue you because that shows you that I care about you and that I love you and that I'm interested in you, you know. And so um, it's a lot like, you know, pursuing God during the week, that I pursue God because I love God. I want to be connected to God. I want to walk with God. And so, um, you know, pursuing you, it. Well, you're my best friend, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, I want to do things with you. I want to reach out w to you and, and say, you know, let's do this together, or I just saw this, so. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's, it is important, and, and I know that, and I, I've learned, you know, I remember going to a men's conference years ago, and the speaker said something to this effect. He said, you want to make sure that your spouse and your children know how much you love you how much you love them, because at the end of your life, uh, regardless of the friends you have, the people who are going to be most upset, the people who are going to be crying at your funeral are going to be the most important people in your life, and that would be your spouse and your kids. And I, and I took that to heart, and I realized, you know, our kids are adults now. They're, they are uh, pretty much out of the house. Um, and uh, one of the things I realized was I, I wanted to make sure that we had a strong relationship once we became empty nesters. And, uh, you know, so pursuing each other during the, the, the little years when the kids were small and trying to make time for each other, I, I'll confess to you that weekly date night, I have failed on that, okay? I have not d done that well. So um, learn from my mistake, okay? Um, but, you know, Cynthia is a full-time teacher, and so she's busy. I, you know, I'm a full-time pastor. I'm busy, but we have to be intentional about making time for each other. And we thought it might be good just to, to share some of the ways that we've, some of the things that we've done to pursue each other. Yeah, I think it can even be, I mean, I think I used to say, well, why doesn't he know this? We've been together so long. Why, what about this does he not get, right? Like how many times am I going to have to tell him this about me or about life or, um, but you know what I, what I've come to peace with is that, it, you know, we do, communication is, I think, the most important. And so we literally will schedule time. Like, we schedule time to talk about money. We schedule time, you know, to talk about our calendar. We schedule time to say, what's one thing I can do for you this week that will build you up? What's one thing I could do for you this week that you would really like? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's okay to be methodical about it, I think. You know, I used to always just think it was gonna happen. Um, and what I understand now is that it's all in the communication. It's all in just really making time to talk about, to talk about all the things. Yeah. The, the magicalness of, of it just happening is, for those couples, is because they actually pursue each other. Mm. They actually prioritize each other. And I think maybe we had to learn that a little bit the hard way. Um, because we, we literally just thought, well, that would happen, but, but it doesn't. And so, you, you know, one of the things I've learned is, uh, and I actually learned this from Cynthia, is I need to study her. I need to know what she likes. 
you know, what, what her favorite foods are, what her favorite restaurant are, the kind of gifts she likes, the kind of gifts she doesn't like. I've failed uh, more times than not. Um, I don't like things with electrical cords. No. I don't like home appliances on gift no. days. No, you don't like things that my mom liked, and I said that no. one time, and that no, was a, not your mom. No, no. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's you know, I, we're talking about pursuing each other uh, mentally. We're talking about pursuing each other emotionally. You know, romantically. Uh, you know, I had to learn to be a listener and not a fixer. Guys, that's a that's a gender stereotype that I don't think is really a stereotype. I think it's pretty accurate. You know, um, Cynthia wants me to listen to her and not solve the problem or the issue she's telling me about. And I, and I had to learn that. And so when I pursue her, I just have to think, be quiet. Don't try to tell her what, you know what you should do, honey, because um, that's not what she wants. Uh, the other thing, and Cynthia does this really well, she will plan activities and she'll ask things. I'm, I'm going to just share something I was planning on sharing in my sermon, but I'll share it now. So um, she knows I like to go hiking. She knows I like to camp in tents. And Cynthia's idea of camping is the Marriott, okay? And uh, <laughs> I've learned that. But Cynthia does enjoy getting out on some of the many trails that we have in the green spaces around the area. And so she'll say, hey, why don't we go on a hike on Saturday? Because she knows there's not going to be any camping and there's not going to be any tents. And, and I'm so, very specific with how long the hike can last. Yes. How long we will be on the hike. Yes. And that there will be a trip to Starbucks after. Yes. Yes. So anything else that you'd like to share? No, I just think... You know, um, we're doing this to pursue holiness, right? Like we're doing this to not only to pursue our spouse, but to keep our commitments. And um, sometimes we don't feel like it, right? But, but still do it even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. You know, still pursue. I think one of the things that we do well for each other is we really pray for each other. Every morning, I leave at 6 in the morning I never leave the house without being prayed for. You know, our kids never left the house for a long car trip or even, you know, a drive to wherever they were going without being prayed for, you know, if they were going back to college. or. And I think one of the things that, you know, even if we're in a little tiff or even if we're not agreeing on something, you know, we, we pray for each other. We pray over each other. You'll see me pray for Clark up front when I'm in the room. Um, because I know that that is a blessing yes. to each one of us, right? Every morning when I go to work, I'm prayed for, which is so amazing, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, one of my favorite verses is in uh, Romans 14, 19, and it says, Pursue the things that bring peace and build each other up. And I think that that is valuable. You know, God's word is valuable, um, and God's word is truth. So if we pursue the things that bring peace and build each other up, you know, that's going to bring blessing, and that's going to bring peace, God's peace to us. So, you know, we have, we have not had an easy road. I'm not going to, I don't want anybody to ever think, wow, they just like, looks, you know, so easy, because it's, it's not. 
but we're committed to it and we're committed to God and we're committed to honoring God in our marriage. And um, so I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah, I am too. For you. Too. Now, I know you want to get back to those toddlers. I do. Yeah. <laughs> we're playing doctor and yeah. kitchen yeah. and we got right. cheeseburgers going on the grill. All and right. Could you just pray for those who are couples or those who are hoping to be couples soon? Sure. Right. Just for everybody. Mm -hmm. Father God, um, I pray that you would set on each person in this room a desire for holiness. I pray that you would give us all a desire to pursue righteousness and holiness and peace. And I pray, Father, that we would pursue you because you are those things. You are peace. You are joy. You are righteousness. So, Father God, I just, I just ask for every person in the house and at home today, Lord God, that you would just set such a strong desire for holiness on our hearts, that we would pursue you like nothing else, that we would just run after you, Father. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Welcome. Thank those toddlers for letting you leave. So, you know, the reality is, as we said, you know, Cynthia and I don't, we don't have it all together, okay? You know, we, we are, what do they say, practitioners? We're, we're trying to do our best, and we are doing that. And so I, I hope that um, that may give you something to talk about, because we've learned, honestly, that we've had to be very intentional uh, about this and, and to talk about what's important in our relationship, and, and that's important. So I... I I want to start off just uh, to share a, a little bit from Scripture. You know, the Bible is filled with love stories. And if, if you've never noticed that, I, I would encourage you to, to read back through uh, the Bible and, and look for some of those love stories, particularly in some of those narratives that you have. And so, uh, you know, in the book of Genesis, we learn that Abraham and Sarah, who God called to be the parents, basically, of the nation of Israel, the, the first couple, in their old age, they had a son named Isaac. Isaac married a woman named Rebecca. And um, there's a ladybug crawling on me. But Peter, I have something for you. No, I don't want to keep him up there. Oh, he didn't come away. There you go. All right. So I knew something was crawling on me. So, so uh Isaac and Rebekah had, a, had, a, had two boys, Jacob and Esau. And, and when you read through the book of Genesis, you discover that Jacob falls in love with Rachel, a woman named Rachel. She's a distant, distant cousin. And so he goes to Rachel's father and says, I would like to have Rachel as my wife. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the abridged version of this story. But uh, he says to Jacob, um, basically, you can, but you need to work for me for seven years. And so... Um, you know, then we read this most romantic statement in the book of Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 29, verse 20. It's going to be on the screen. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Isn't that romantic? Doesn't it make you want to say, oh. I mean, it, it, you know, think about that. Waiting seven years to marry your one true love. Cynthia and I waited, were engaged for over a year, and that seemed like a, a long time. Anybody engaged for longer than a year? Go ahead and raise your hand. Longer than uh, two years? 
Longer than three years? All right, only three years. So, so never, no seven-year-long engagements here. So, uh, you know, uh, Rachel and, and Jacob have, have a long one. And, and that was a long time to wait. But, it, but during that time, obviously, they kept their love alive by pursuing that relationship. When he wasn't out taking care of the sheep, he was all googly-eyed at Rachel. So uh, it's important to recognize that because you see in this couple, you know, their spouses-to-be and they're, and they're pursuing one another for a long period of time. And you see, as I mentioned earlier, when a couple gets married, we make these vows and we verbalize those things, and, you know, that we are going to make promises to love one another and to be faithful to one another for better for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. But embedded in those are some implied vows that you will make your spouse a priority, that you will pursue them, that you will be partners in life together, and that you will maintain purity in your relationship. So we're going to focus today on the vow of pursuit. Now, if you listen to last week's message, what I'm going to say now is a little bit repetitive, but, but it's important to hear. When God created the institution of marriage, he gave us this foundational command that's found in the second chapter of the book of Genesis, and I call it the command to leave and cleave. And the reason I do that is because in the, the King James translation of the scripture, this is what Genesis 2 verse 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. That's the, the leave and cleave command and it's essential to prioritizing your spouse. And by the way, that, that uh, statement, all of these scriptures are generally from the male's perspective, but this is uh, mutual. It's uh, female to male and male to female. So, so this means... When you leave your parents and make your spouse the most important in your life, you are vowing to pursue them. Now, guys, if you're a mama's boy um, uh, and uh, you have to make sure your wife is the most important woman in your life and you're going to have to help your mama come to terms with that. And ladies... If you're a daddy's girl, you're going to have to make sure your husband is the most important man in your life, and you're going to have to help your daddy come to terms with that. And I want to give you a little bit of a reality check to the mama's boys and the daddy's girls. Um, this is going to take more than one conversation with mama or daddy, all right? Because you have decades, probably, of a relationship together. And what I'm going to say now is extremely important to your marriage. If you're a mama's boy or a daddy's girl... You have to take the responsibility for leaving your mama or your daddy and prioritizing your spouse by cleaving to them. Don't, don't say this, honey, that's just how mama is. Or that's just how daddy is, as if it's nothing, because it's something. It's something big. And if you don't set the boundary, the priority, Mama or daddy can interfere with your most important relationship. So um, if that interference is happening currently in your marriage because you're married to a mama's boy or a daddy's girl and, and you've never talked about what his mama or her daddy is doing in your marriage, 
more than likely, they don't know if you haven't told them what they're doing. So I'm going to give you permission right now, ever so slightly, do this. All right? And if you just got this, when you go home today, you need to talk about what he or she meant by this. Because mama or, or daddy is creating problems. Um, this verse about leaving and cleaving also speaks to the vow of pursuit. When you were dating, when you were dating, you were pursuing that person who was the love of your life and you were romantic and you were charming and you were constantly going the extra mile for them. And when you said, I do, and you put a ring on each other's fingers, it's possible that the romantic, charming, go the extra mile pursuit faded a little bit. Hopefully not a lot. But if it did fade, that's a mistake. Because the marriage vows that we make are until death. Until death do we part. And until, and although you didn't say the specific words, and I'm going to pursue you until death do we part, that was the implication of the vow you made in your marriage vows. The command to leave and cleave is a command to pursue your spouse for the rest of your life. And the Bible reinforces that over and over. It gives a lot of, of commands. Cynthia shared one that I'm not going to share today, but I, I want to just look at three biblical instructions about how we're supposed to pursue our wives, the first one, our wives and our husbands. The first is pursue one another in humility. Now, the book of Ephesians offers a great deal of instructions about marriage. And, and I'm aware, I'm very aware that uh, for some people, those instructions are viewed as outdated patriarchal, and even oppressive to women. Those verses are found in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21 and going through the end of the chapter, verse 33. I'm not going to read them all. Um, the specific verses that are considered to be outdated, patriarchal, and oppressive to women are the ones that talk about wives submitting to their husbands. Now, I completely understand how those verses can sound and how they feel when they are read, particularly when they are read out of context. But reading them in context is critical because these instructions about marriage are not supposed to be oppressive. It's clear that they're supposed to unite you. They're supposed to encourage you to pursue one another. And when you read them in context, text, these scriptures take on a new light because they're encouraging and not discouraging. So, and, and it's just the first verse that I want to read of that section because it puts everything into context. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. The Bible gives us specific instructions about being husbands and about being wives, but those instructions come in the context of mutual submission. Now, God's word tells us that out of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, husbands, you need to submit to your wives. And wives, you need to submit to your husbands. And in those verses, in the remainder of Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul draws, draws a direct correlation between the human relationship of marriage, between a husband and a wife, 
to the relationship between the church and Jesus. Just like Christians submit themselves to Christ by sacrificing their will to follow their Lord's will, that's what the church does. So it says wives need to submit themselves to their husbands. But then it goes on and says, just like Christ submitted himself to the church, he sacrificed his life for the church. Husbands, you're supposed to submit yourself and sacrifice yourself for your wives. So, so in context, all of those scriptures that can feel a little oppressive take on a whole new light because it's pursuing one another out of mutual submissions. It's how can I build her up? How can I build him up? What can I do that will make her day? What will I do? What can I do that will make his day? What am I thinking about that will encourage my spouse? Now, let me give you a caveat here. And um, if your spouse is not a follower of Jesus, you're, you're not going to be on the same plane, okay? But Scripture is actually pretty clear about this, that if you're a believer and your spouse isn't, you still need to pursue them out of reverence to Christ. You need to pursue them as a Christ follower, regardless of where they are spiritually. All right? You're not released if your spouse isn't. In fact, Scripture says that sometimes your unbelieving spouse can become a follower of Jesus by the way you pursue them, the way you love them. Now, if you're not married, I would encourage you. The Bible's very clear that we're supposed to marry someone who's spiritually our equal. In other words, that they're a follower of Jesus. We're, if you're not, how can you pursue one another out of reverence for Christ? So that's the first thing. We need to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And one of the best ways to pursue your spouse, I believe, is this, to speak one another's love language. In 1992, Dr. Gary Chapman published a book called The Five Love Languages. And as of 2022, over 20 million copies of the book have been sold. It's been translated into 50, that's a five and a zero, 50 different languages. And it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for more than a decade. Now, the premise of Chapman's book is that we all speak a different love language. He came to this conclusion as a marriage counselor, and after many years, he, he basically put his observations in a book, and he said that there are five ways that people speak and understand emotional love, and those love languages are, are actually pretty simple. You, you may immediately, if you've never read the book, by the way, I do recommend it. I hope you, you're picking up that. Um, but you may recognize one of these love languages immediately as yours or your spouse's. The first one is words of affirmation. The second one is quality time. The third one is receiving gifts. The fourth one is acts of service. And the fifth one is physical touch. Now, it's not unusual for spouses to have different love language. Mine is physical touch. Cynthia's is gifts, receiving gifts. And so I've had to study her and I've had to learn that she likes gifts. And so there's, there's a day this week where I'm good, okay? I, I have done my homework, I've studied, and they're in the house and they're hidden, okay? But I, I'll, I'm going to wish her a happy Valentine's Day 
and I'm going to speak her love language, okay? So it's important that we understand that. Now, Scripture doesn't talk about those five specific love languages, but Scripture does make it very clear in the book of Ephesians that we need to understand how each one receives affirmation in that marriage. And I believe that there's one verse in particular that makes that very clear. Going back to Ephesians 5, it's the 33rd verse. It's the last verse in that chapter. And it says this, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, this verse instructs husbands to communicate love to their wives, and it instructs wives to communicate respect to their husbands. And that verse speaks to the reality that, that honestly, Cynthia and I have lived out. She wanna knows I love her by the words that I speak to her and by the things that I do for her. And I, I know she loves me. I wanna know she respects me by the words that she says or the way she would esteem me and, and candidly we've had some conflicts when we didn't speak that love language to each other by the way the the marriage class that we are offering that's beginning today it's still not too late to sign up it'll be today at 11 15 uh, the first one is in person the rest are going to be virtual but uh, it's written uh, the the book we're using is written by uh, dr emerson egrets and it's called uh, love and respect that's the verse that it's based off of. So I would encourage you. So, so wives, you need to pursue your husbands by letting them know you respect them by the words that you say and, and the things that you share with them. And husbands, you need to know that your wife, your wife needs to know that you love her by, by saying it. You can't be that, like that guy who said, you know, I told her on the day I, I love her. I told her on the day I married her, I love her. And if anything changes, I'll tell her. What's up with that? That's not submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We need to speak that love language to one another. Here's one more biblical instruction of how we pursue each other. We need to seek enjoyment together. So, you know, the Bible doesn't shy away from speaking about the sexual relationship of marriage. By the way, I'm not going to speak about it, okay? So just to make you uh, relaxed. Uh, but while most of the instructions from the Old Testament center around the husband's point of view, the New Testament scriptures give us a point of view for husbands and, and wives. And as we've seen, the verses in Ephesians 5 speak to both husbands and wives' roles in marriage. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, the first five verses, they speak to, directly to the importance of submitting to one another in marriage in your sexual relationship. And if you read those first verses, what you'll understand is it comes across in the, in the context of mutual love and submission to one another. But this idea of seeking enjoyment together is, is about more than just the physical part of a marriage relationship. It's really about the entire relationship. So in the book of Proverbs, we read this. Be happy with the wife you married when you were young. She is beautiful and graceful, just like a deer. You should be attracted to her and stay deeply in love. Don't go crazy over a woman who is unfaithful to her own husband. So clearly there are, this has applications to finding enjoyment with each other in the physical part of the marriage relationship. But it also speaks to the emotional side when it says, be happy. Uh, this translation says, be happy with your wife. Other translations say, rejoice in your wife. Uh, and again, 
This is mutual. So be happy with your husband. Rejoice in your husband. So uh, I want us to lean into the idea that pursuing one spouse means we need to speak, to, to seek enjoyment in being together. We need to study them and know the things that they enjoy and suggest them. Well, you know, we need to pursue them. We need to, to know uh, what kind of gifts they would like. And I'm not talking about spending a lot of money, but I'm talking about, you know, you know, some of the, the most important gifts have ever, I've ever received from Cynthia or that she's ever received from me have been when I've paid attention or when she's paid attention. And as I said earlier, I have failed probably more times than I've succeeded. But that's because sometimes I don't pay attention. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be a, a little prescriptive here and, and, some, and prescribe a few actions about seeking enjoyment with one another. You and your spouse need to plan fun things to do together, things that you will enjoy. Uh, you need to pursue doing things, and that means you will have to pay attention. In other words, study what they like. I, I've already told you the, uh, the hiking thing, but, you, you know, there are things that I know that Cynthia likes to do, and I will suggest that we do them, and vice versa, she will do that you know, whether it's a getaway here. You know, Cynthia and I, and I enjoy vacations together, but she wants me to plan them because that's just, I'm sort of a nerd that way. And so she wants me to do that. And, and I just talk it through with her and I make all the plans. But that's one of the ways that I demonstrate love to her and how we, we experience enjoyment together doing things. So, you know, as I bring this to a conclusion... I want to remind you that uh, when a couple gets married, you're making a promise to your spouse. There's a, there's a horizontal relationship here between husband and wife. You're making a promise to spouse. But in every Christian marriage ceremony, you're also making a vertical promise. You're making a vertical covenant, a covenant with God. And you are promising to God and to each other that you're going to love this person and pursue them for the rest of your lives. And so that means you've got to, you've got to do that. It means that you've got to submit to them. It means that you, you've got to um, speak their love language. And you've got to seek to do things that you both enjoy together. That's pursuing one another. Now, I recognize, again, that there are folks in here that, that aren't married, and, and uh, I still believe that there's applications because this pursuit of human relationships ultimately reminds us that we need to pursue God. We need to pursue God in everything that we do. So I'm going to close this time in prayer, and so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because after we close in prayer, they're going to lead us in a song. But in this prayer time, I'm going to do a couple things. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may say, you know what, I, I, I think I understand more and more about what it, want, what it means to be a Christian, to be a, a Christ follower. And today, I, I think I want to do that. So I'm going to share with you some things that uh, what you need to know about being a follower of Jesus. And if you decide to pray a prayer that I'm going to suggest, I, I would encourage you to tell me afterwards so I can give you some material. And then I'm going to pray for all of us that we would pursue other, our, our spouses if we're married, and that we'll all pursue God. So here's what you need to know if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Scripture tells us that God loves us, that he 
loves us so much, but there's a problem in that relationship that he desires to have with us. The things that we do that are wrong, they're called sins, and they create a barrier between us and God. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to earth to pay the price, the penalty for our sinfulness. And if we believe in Jesus and accept his forgiveness for our sins, our sins are forgiven. And we can pursue a relationship with God for the rest of our lives. And he will be with us in this life and he will give us the promise of eternal life. And so if you would like to start that relationship today, you can. And very simply, it means you tell him that you want to and that you begin to follow him. So I'm going to encourage you to pray a prayer. But then again, if you pray this prayer, let me know because I want to put some things into your hands, some material to help you grow in that relationship. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, I recognize there might be somebody here today who has never put their trust in you and now they want to. So if that's you, I invite you just to, where you are in this room or online, to pray these words silently back to God. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Help me follow you from this day forward. And we say amen to that part of the prayer. Now, Lord, I want to pray for all of us. Lord, for those who are married or are thinking about getting married, Lord, I pray that we would understand that we are promising to pursue our spouse for the rest of our lives and that you would give us the courage, the strength, the boldness to do whatever it takes to pursue them. But I pray for all of us, Lord, whether we're married or not, that, that we also would recognize that we need to pursue you, pursue our relationship with you through our faith in Jesus, and so that we would do whatever it takes, that we would read scripture and take it in, that we would talk to you through prayers, and that we would do the things that help us grow in faith, that we wouldn't just say we're a follower, that we would live it out as followers of Jesus pray this all in his name.